In the closing paragraph of the first chapter of his autobiography, Mirror to America, the late and great historian John Franklin made a striking observation about our shared interdependence. Having been born in 1917, Franklin had experienced the worst of segregation and discrimination. Yet despite that fact, he could still write that his life and career have been fulfilled not merely by my own efforts, but also by the thoughtful generosity of friends, family, and professional colleagues, which, it should be noted, included people from all races, religions, and national backgrounds. I can only hope, he wrote further, that they realize, as I do, how interdependent we all are and how much more rewarding and fulfilling life is whenever we reach a level of understanding where we can fully appreciate the extent of our interrelationships with and our reliance on those who came before us, kept us company during our lives, and will come after us. In many ways, Dr. Franklin's words capture the essence of the William Friday Fellowship for Human Relations. Those who have been following our conversations here on the Waters and Harvest Show know that we have dedicated episodes of the show to meeting and hearing from members of the newly seated class of Friday Fellows. Relationships and what it takes to build and maintain them have been the focus of those conversations. Marcus and I are going to continue that series of conversations today. We'll meet and hear from two more Friday Fellows, Dr. Dalton Dockery, who is from Columbus County in the far southeastern corner of North Carolina, and Mr. Willard Walton, who is in Watauga County in the Northwest Mountain region of our state. While working in different industries, Willard as the program and outreach director at the Blowing Rock and History Museum, and Dalton as the director of the North Carolina Cooperative Extension Program in Columbus County, both are deeply dedicated and committed community builders and have a deep appreciation for the role and in interdependence relationships play in strengthening our shared sense of community. Join us for a conversation that will inspire you with hope about our future as a state and nation. Welcome back to another episode of the Waters and Harvey Show. I'm Darren Waters. And I'm Marcus Harvey. And we're glad to be back here with you all in the audience again. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for taking the time to kind of engage in these conversations with us. As Marcus and I have said before, we always enjoy kind of coming together, not only just the two of us together in the studio, having conversations about some of life's, our society's larger issues, but we also just, we, we find it a, a deep pleasure to know that you all are in the audience kind of engaging in these conversations with us as well. Absolutely. And we know that uh, that most of you join us via uh, radio or podcast, but we have a brief announcement to make today, and that is that uh, you will also now be able to catch our show on YouTube. So you'll be able to see um, Darren and I in action as we as we stage these very important conversations. So please feel free to join us on YouTube as well. Yeah, it's kind of fun, and it's fun to see Marcus kind of fall out laughing when when I take a jab at him every now and then. But we had a guest on not too long ago on one of the shows that we did, and and he suggested he said, "Guys, you know, people want to see what you're doing." And I have heard that from a few other people, mm -hmm. uh, Marcus. That look, it would be great to be able to see you guys actually do the show. Yeah, and although I have to admit, for me, it kind of ups the ante a little bit because I'm I'm, I'm not I'm not big on being in front of a camera, but um, <laughs> it seems to be the direction the show is going. 
morning. So mm-hmm. here we go. Okay. <laughs> so we, we thank you all who are joining us in, in any of these venues that we're on. And thanks to my son, Jonathan Waters. Some of you have heard from Jonathan because we had Jonathan on the show. Um, maybe Marcus, what is it? It's been over a year now. I mean, yeah. time goes by so fast, but Jonathan was on the show because he was working on his own podcast, which he does from time to time. But Jonathan, you know, they, I find that uh, my two sons, one 25, the other one 21, they have the the uh, kind of the mental capacity to kind of deal with all of the social media stuff, <laughs> Marcus. So I have to depend on them. You know, they they accuse me of living under a rock, you know, most of my life. So <laughs> yes, and I feel the way I feel the same way sometimes because social media really is its own beast, and you know, the younger generations have, have seem seem to have their thumb on it in ways that that we just don't. So. Right. Although we're dealing with serious issues about community, it's great to have this moment to have a little fun and just laugh with you all. So thank you for being here with us again. And as you know, we're, we have been talking about the issue of community for a while. Um, what does it mean to be in community with one another and and how do we uh, work to strengthen our communities? Marcus, uh, you know, I have addressed the fact of work that I have done with a number of organizations here in North Carolina that are working on these very questions. So it seems to be, you know, really present in the forefront of so many people's minds right now. And this kind of led you and I, uh, and when we talked about this in a previous show, about these questions that we asked, um, we are now, you know, post uh, the 2020 election, we have a new administration that has come into office. And if anybody listens closely, you still hear people raising these issues or these questions that you and I said, we should have copyrighted these questions a long time ago. But these questions, as we'll ask here again, and we hope that you all in the audience are not getting tired of hearing us ask these questions, but I think they're fundamentally important for us to think about, you know, as we think about the issue of community and building and strengthening community. But those questions have been, who are we? Who do we wish to be? Which is an important question, I think. You know, I I had an opportunity to participate in a panel discussion not too long ago about the Constitution. And as a historian, Marcus, I was looking back to those to the foundational uh, foundational issues surrounding the creation of our Constitution. I uh, made the argument that I'm a person who I'm not a legal scholar um, getting into all of the legal particulars around the Constitution. But I do think it's important for us as citizens of this country to have some type of uh, cultural, economic, and political understanding of why the document was created and why it was created the way that it was. And there are mechanisms in that constitution that we can change it. as, And we have changed it 27 times, uh, 27 amendments to this constitution going along. So this question of who do we wish to be, I think is still fundamentally important. But I think the question that you asked in relation to this question is also important. Uh, is there a we? And if not, can there be a we? So, you know, Marcus, again, remind us why those questions kind of emerged to the forefront of your mind. Well, I mean, what, what I will say is I think, especially at this moment now, the country really does face a crucible moving forward. And I think the crucible can, can be captured in these three questions, right? Um, is there a we in the first place that we can point to um, and, and make sense of? Um, should there be, or, you know, should there even be a we? Um, and who do we wish to be? Right. I, I think that if if um, our our political leaders, if our if if Americans are serious 
about forging a different kind of America. Not that this America will be perfect, uh, not that it will represent some um, pristine manifestation of democracy, but if, but if, if we are committed to forging um, a better society, um, then I think we have to all come together and commit as much as we can uh, to engaging these questions, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but I think uh, for me, they they continue to be important because they really drive to, I think, the core of, of, of what this country has always um, struggled with. And that is, as I've said before, identity. What we see is that in lieu of doing the hard work of wrestling with these questions, and working together as a country to forge a sense of identity, not that, not that this identity is homogeneous or uniform, but, but forging a shared sense of identity that takes difference seriously, that takes plurality seriously, right? That takes our different histories uh, um, as, as ethno-cultural, ethno-racial groups seriously. In lieu of that, right, what we have sort of been given is this kind of mythology, right? Mm-hmm. This kind of, this kind of, as I mentioned on a previous show, this myth of American unity, this myth of America as a democracy that is to be uh, praised and emulated um, everywhere in the world. Um, and as a result, uh, we, we sort of find ourselves with this, this hollow, fragile, crumbling sense of identity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that these questions, if, if we can turn to, the, to these questions and embrace them uh, robustly, right, can help to rebuild, mm-hmm, right, mm-hmm. Or, or, or shall we say build, right, uh, for the first time in the country's history, mm-hmm. a true sense of, of, of national identity, right? Mm-hmm, but again, the, the question for me becomes, or the real issue for me becomes, uh, the willingness of American citizens, um, from all sectors, the, the willingness of American political leaders to take on these questions as really, I think, the preeminent crucible facing the country no at way. this moment, no. right? Um, as as uh, President Biden launches his administration in post-January 6, 2021. So mm-hmm. this is post-insurrection. I think this is really the major crucible, uh, crucible right. facing the country. And Michael, I mean, Marcus, I think that you're absolutely right. And it occurs to me in listening to you, too, that it seems to me that many of us just take for granted that we do have an identity, that there is a we. We, we mm-hmm. take that kind of for granted rather than taking the time to stop and kind of reflect upon that. We have talked about the work of the William C. Friday Fellowship for Human Relations, and we have had here on the show from time to time uh, our really good friend, Meredith Doster. And, and Meredith is a back with us again today because we're going to talk a little bit about more about the William C. Friday faculty of the William C. Friday Fellowship. We're going to talk to two additional members of the current class of fellows. Um, But we want to go ahead and just bring uh, Meredith into this conversation early um, because it occurs to me, Marcus, that if there if if we decide in our conversation around this, that it is possible for there to be a we. If we say, okay, we want to work towards that, it seems to me that relationship building is going to be key to actually moving us in that direction. So at the heart of the conversations around the William C. Friday Fellowship has been relationship building because it's what drives the fellowship. So Meredith, 
how are we doing here? Uh, thank you for being here with us again. And I know that our the, the members of the audience are going to recognize and know who you are at this time. Marcus and I were just kind of saying, we, we kind of consider you in these, these conversations that we've decided to do around the, the Friday Fellowship. You as kind of our guest co-host on these shows. So first of all, welcome back here with us. And how do you think Marcus and I are doing in playing with these particular questions and thinking about the issue of relationships and relationship building and, and, and moving us towards this we? I mean, these are big questions. And I think they are both, they're, they're asking and they're answering is the work of the Friday Fellowship. You know, is there a we? Can there be a we? Um, who are we in any given context? And I think, you know, I'm, I'm always struck by questions of identity. What is this American we that um, shows up in all of these founding documents, but becomes really challenging as a lived practice and reality? And when I think about identity, I often also then think about ideologies, right? So what are the ideologies that play into this, this space of American identity? And I'm curious about this intersection that we saw really come to the fore on January 6th around the ideological intersection of evangelicalism, exceptionalism, and extremism, right? And what will it take to replace that ideological foundation with something that is more rooted in a different kind of relational quality? And so if I had to um, pinpoint, you know, how are we doing? Um, what is the work of the Friday Fellowship? I would certainly connect it to these questions of, of who are we in any given moment. I think, um, you know, the work of this fellowship is to remember ourselves and one another, um, to pick up things that matter, to practice being in relationship with all kinds of different people and their many pasts, presents, and futures, to look, listen, and learn from differences seen and unseen, spoken and silenced, to build intentionally and with integrity toward a collective we bigger than any one person or community, and then finally to lead the charge and the call and the commitment toward justice everywhere, including across the many places in this state that people call home. And I think that all sounds lovely and lyrical, but what does that look like in practice, right? What does it mean to do that? Um, and so again, the Friday Fellowship is this beautiful two-year sandbox container. It's a it's a practice that we invite North Carolinians from across the state to um, well, to practice. No, Meredith, I have to say, I like I like that picture you just gave of a sandbox. Now, <laughs> now, 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 hopefully, there's no fighting going on in that sandbox, right? I, I hope not. And and of course, in this COVID moment, no one is actually playing in a literal sandbox. But it's true that um, we do invite folks to come and share space with one another. Uh, we have a two-year program model, and we bring fellows from across the state together uh, for six seminar experiences, each uh, really exercising the muscles of relationship building. So we have 23 fellows from across the state journeying together and uh, they met in October for their uh, first seminar experience. And in that seminar, we took up the question, who am I? But of course, in the service of what 23 fellows might become together. So it's a question, who am I? That really has the aim toward a we. Like, how much of yourself do you really need to unpack and explore in order to, to move with intentionality and integrity toward um, a given we? Um, and seminar two, of course, is right around the corner on the horizon. And it's such a joy to have um, Darren to have you uh, with the class, joining with us as our faculty fellow. And Marcus, we claim you um, as well. Uh, we're excited <laughs> for our fellows to be in conversation with you on the program. But the question that we'll be pivoting to in March is a question around why am I here? 
in that pivot, we'll be uh, picking up um, and pivoting to explorations of place and to power and to purpose. So what is this here also? And again, it's, it's a question of how much can we uh, train ourselves to see, uh, to see the here that we claim and to look for that which we're not yet ready to see mm-hmm. um, and to find there the people that we need to go back for again using Ella Baker's um, quotation, mm-hmm. going back to the people that don't speak to you, but also who are the people you can't yet see in your own mm-hmm. community? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Meredith, you, you, you said something earlier that really struck me. You said that you talked about the work of the Friday Fellowship, um, you know, thinking about those questions that we that we posed at the beginning of this show um, as both asking and answering those questions. You also mentioned the role of remembering, right, in, in, in this process. So I'm just curious to hear a little bit more from you. And I think you've already begun to, to unpack this, but uh, could you say a little bit more about how you see the role, about, about what you see um, or how you see the uh, remembering, the practice of remembering as playing um, perhaps an important role Right in the process among um, um, engaged in among Friday fellows um, of taking on these questions, right? Not only the questions we're posing, but also the questions of who am I, why am I here? As you mm-hmm. just noted, where where does the the practice, the discipline of remembering, fit into all of that? Mm-hmm. Oh, what a great question! I appreciate that. You know, I think memory um, is material. It is it is not mm-hmm. something that we simply dream, you know, or that we have a it is something we are obligated, I feel, to to retrieve. And for me, um, the practice of remembering is an act of intentional retrieval um, that takes mm. quite a bit of humility. Um, and so to know what you are looking back for and what you might be going back to claim, whether it's people or places or trauma or uh, or joy. Um, it does take intention to go back and, and retrieve something. I, you know, one of the things, uh, Marcus and, and Darren and I have been chatting about this a little bit is the relationship between remembering and forgetting. And because remembering has been really core to one of the invitations the fellowship extends, how much of your own self and your own story and the systems that produce those things do you need to remember in order to have enough self-knowing to extend yourself to someone else and to have enough humility to listen deeply. Uh, But Darren and I have both fallen down the rabbit hole of Lewis Hyde's book, A Primer for Forgetting, where he makes some really provocative arguments about the, the counterpoint to remembering, which is the intentional act of forgetting. And I will say um, that this has just gotten under my skin in a in a surprising way because I think I intuitively um, land harder in the space of remembering and as an act of intentional retrieval, as a space of holding space for that which has yet to be named and claimed as wisdom, named and claimed as history, named and claimed as real and true. Um, and And yet there is also something to be said for this concept of forgetting that I'm still really um, thinking deeply about and look forward to exploring in the container, again, in the sandbox container of the fellowship itself. Um, and so I'm not trying to uh, to yeah. evade the question, Marcus, no, no, but, I, no, not at all. but for not me, at all. the remembering piece is, is now getting uh, complicated by qualities of forgetting right. as well. Yeah. And, 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 and just to say quickly, I, I think that the, I, I like how you're focusing on, on, on the practice of remembering as intentional retrieval. And I have to admit that part of the reason that I pose that question um, to you within the context of the of the work you're doing with the Friday Fellowship is that it seems to me, and I don't know if you would agree with this or not, Darren, but it seems to me that one of the problems that our country faces is that that forgetting, 
mm-hmm. right? The practice of forgetting has become a kind of sacred ritual in this country, right? right so right, that, right. so that um, sacred because uh, going back to a previous show, this this sacred ritual, this sacred national ritual of forgetting, allows us to quickly move forward, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So we don't. So, mm-hmm. so 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 there's nothing requiring us to do the burdensome work of dealing with the present of dealing with the past, right? We can sort of choose to inhabit this sacred ritualistic space of forgetting. Mm-hmm. And so the, the practice of remembering, I think, becomes subversive in this way, mm-hmm. right? Given the, given the country's preference for forgetting. We're going to continue our conversation here on the Waters and Harvest Show after a short break. Please stay with us. Welcome back to the Waters and Harvest Show. Marcus and I are talking about what it means to live in community. And shortly, we'll be talking with members of the current class of the William C. Friday Fellowship for Human Relations. So that our audience knows, I had made a promise that I would not go to Alexis de Tocqueville, <laughs> but you're baiting me here. I'm going to try to avoid that. But, you know, but Marcus, I think that you you make a very valid point because we've talked about this. And Meredith, with Lewis Hyde's book on um, A Primer for Forgetting, uh, the the, the uh, subtitle of that book is also interesting to me of getting past the past. But there's a theme, at least in the first part of that book, and we can talk about we'll, we'll have to do a whole show around this. And, you know, Marcus Meredith and I have talked about the possibility of getting Lewis Hyde here on the show to actually have a conversation with him. But I think that um, that that a theme in that book, at least in the first part of the book, is that. The only way to move past the past is to remember, to sit and marinate in it for a minute and then deal with it, be done with it, and then you move on. And we heard a little bit of that in um, in the current president, the new president's uh, in, in in many of the messages that he that he communicated, as he talked about Marcus remembering that we need mm-hmm. to remember, 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 remembering is quite difficult. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and so and I, I th- no, go ahead. Yeah. So I think that this is a good place for us to think about. Okay, you know what we want to do with the remainder of this show, mm-hmm. um, because what I have appreciated about um, doing these shows with Meredith and having a series of, series of shows around the the Friday Fellowship is that we're going to get a chance to kind of hear people across the state, you know, in different parts of the state, what they're doing, how are they tackling these particular issues? You know, I joined these meetings, um, like with Z. Smith Reynolds, uh, the uh, Institute for Emerging Issues, and it, it kind of becomes a one and done meeting for me. And then, you know, you kind of move on and you don't hear, but this is giving us a hear of how these things are being worked out in those other communities. But this gives us an opportunity to engage those other communities. And Meredith, if you don't mind, I'd like to um, to, to move into a discussion with, with our with two fellows. We're going to start with Dalton, Dr. Dalton Dockery first. Um, and we have Mr. Willard Watson, who is here. Dalton is actually out in Columbus County, as you're here, and he'll talk a little bit about that. And, and Willard is up in Watauga County in Boone. So they're both coming from different parts of the state, but both cu- current members of the William C. Friday uh, class, uh, the 2020 
2022 class of, of Friday Fellows. And I've had the distinct pleasure of getting to know them and um, and looking forward to, to them joining this conversation. But we do want to begin with, with Dalton. And uh, Dalton, Dalton is a graduate of North Carolina State University and North Carolina A&T University with a PhD in leadership studies. And I've already told him that I want to get into a conversation later on with him about this program. Um, I'm hearing a number of people who've gone through this leadership studies program. But he is the director. He is a director with the North Carolina Cooperative Extension in Columbus County. A recent, and he's also a recent recipient of the Award for Excellence in Public Service from North Carolina State University. We want to want to congratulate him on that. But Dalton, we want to take this moment to welcome you to the show. Thank you for taking the time to join us here today. Thank you for having me. I, I, I'm just excited at listening to you guys talk to one another about the issues. I was like, I'm ready to jump right in there with them. Right. <laughs> I, don't have to, I have to wait my turn, but, uh, but I'm definitely excited about being here. Thank you for um, for allowing me to be on the show today. I'm very excited about what's going on um, in Columbus County, what's going on in the world. I think we do have a responsibility to pay attention. Mm-hmm. And, and promote positive change. Uh, thank you, uh, Dr. Walters. Yes, I'm, I'm here in Columbus County, which is in the southeastern end of the state. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm actually about 15 miles from Myrtle Beach in South Carolina. So that's okay. how far down south. <laughs> okay, you're you're over there in the corner. <laughs> I'm right there. So right. can you see can you see the coast and can you see the water from your home? Uh, I can't see the water from my mm-hmm. home. But I can be to the ocean in less than 20 minutes. So for us, that's a positive, at least for my wife <laughs> and kids, it's a positive. Yeah. But, uh, but I enjoy it here. Uh, grew up on a farm, agriculture farm, still in the family. Mm-hmm. Um, learned a lot about hard work uh, in so much that I was working so hard, I was determined to go to college at that time to get away from mm-hmm. the work in a sense, the physical work. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> anyway. So. So can you tell us a little bit about the work that you're doing there in Columbus County, you know, with the uh, North Carolina Cooperative Extension? Okay, yes, Uh, I am the Cooperative Extension Director here in Columbus County. And the long and short of it is we are an extension of the university, um, North Carolina A&T State University and NC State University. And basically what happens is the the university do all this research, they train us and we take it to the people in the counties. So Mm -hmm. every county has a Cooperative Extension service. That, that exist in that particular county. So we provide these educational programs based on the needs of the county. Mm-hmm. So we're the long arm of the county. As far as my current role and what I get paid to do, as they say, <laughs> okay. 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 I also have another role, which I would say is my personal role, and that's community development. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I work with that, work with the citizens in the county to, uh, to make Columbus County be all it can be in mm-hmm. terms of uh, racial diversity, terms of building those relationships you guys were talking about earlier. Sometimes that's not easy. If if you look at the the demographics of Columbus County in terms of, you know, white people, black people, Indian, that type of thing. So so we have to learn to pull them all together, even though we may have, you know, various degrees 
uh, input, I guess you would say. Right, right. Yeah. And, when, and yeah. those of us who kind of know North Carolina history, and this is not something you have to respond to, uh, Dalton, but I was just thinking, you know, who study North Carolina history, I think you're in what was historically known as the Black Second, right? That was the second district, the congressional district mm-hmm. that during mm-hmm. that period of Reconstruction and right. and late into the uh, right. late 19th century mm-hmm. elected, regularly elected African-Americans to, to Congress. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And Dalton, I, I think you you probably have already begun to answer this question. Uh, so I think I probably know a little bit about the answer, but I'm curious to hear from you, um, um, given the work that you've been doing in Columbus County, what attracted you to the Friday Fellowship in particular? Well, when I looked at the Friday Institute, I had a friend that had come through the Institute to start with, um, mm-hmm. uh, Andy Anderson, um, and he basically shared some information with me about the program. I'm like, you know, this is something I'd really be excited about, especially in terms of working with different groups of people and how you learn to um, respect different cultures, respect different socioeconomic backgrounds, um, those types of things. So I found it interesting. And then the concept of leadership itself and what can evolve out of that when you respect other cultures and when you learn about other people, how they may do things differently from you, but you respect that component of it. Um, doesn't mean you have to agree on everything, but there is an amount of respect that goes into to diversity and when you're working with different groups. So I found that part of it interesting. And then secondly, the relationship. I'm a big fan of building relationships across the board, um, no matter your race, economic background, whatever. Uh, we've done s- several things here in Columbus County. We've had, um, for lack of better terms, we've, we've had a Unify Columbus. That's something that, um, that, that I work primarily on with a group of clergy. And just to give you a little background on it, uh, we had a, a very contentious sheriff's race here about three years ago. Um, and it was basically the incumbent was a black African-American male that was running against a white male. And it mm. came down to 30 votes. <laughs> oh, wow. Separated the two. And the county was, on, was tense. I mean, when I say tense, he walked into a store. You know, you could just feel the tenseness there that the county was so divided at that particular time. So we decided we needed to do something, Dr. Harvey. We needed to do something to build that unity. And how how can we build unity? And then I was part of crucial conversations at that time as well. Mm. So so that gave me some input there. So we held two meetings where where we brought in um, three or four different speakers that talked about three things, you know, talked about diversity, religion, and we talked about um, economics and politics and how we need to be unified in order to reach the common goal of everybody, you know, prospering and doing better. Yeah, and Dalton, just curious, uh, before we move on uh, to, to the next uh, item here, how was that conversation received? I'm just curious to hear some, 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 what you just mentioned, you know, in Columbus <laughs> County. How was that conversation received, brother? <laughs> <laughs> when I first came up with the idea, they were looking at me like I was crazy. <laughs> You really want us to pull all of these people together? <laughs> you know you're in Columbus County, right? right. So, um, so it was a little tense to start with, but we forced okay. ahead with it. Uh, when we had the Unified Columbus, we've had two of them, a lot of people showed up. I mean, the first one, mm. and uh, it gave them a chance to, we, we created a safe space in a high school auditorium, if you can do that. Okay. You had about, I don't know, 100 some people, right? 100 plus people there. And they really began to talk about their true issues and their strong feelings, how they felt that, that, that they were being mistreated in certain areas. Mm-hmm. It wasn't always race, 
it, it could be socioeconomics, you know, mm-hmm. that type of thing. how they, but it, it finally gave the people a chance to release in a sense what they were thinking, but have been mm-hmm. afraid to say. Okay. Mm-hmm. So from that standpoint, it was wonderful. You know, I was on stage. I was like, Please don't let anybody break out, start fighting or anything. (laughs) (laughs) You know, in Dalton, Dalton, I find that, you know, and this has been written up by other people, too, before we we turn here. And and we can respond to come back to this in a few minutes that people like knowing that they're being heard. And there's so many people who feel like they're not heard. And um, and I, it, it seems to me that this work that you're doing, serious work, is providing people with an opportunity, at least feel and sense that they're being heard and their concerns are being heard. And I think that is fundamentally important. So I, if we can take the time here, one of your colleagues in, in the fellowship is uh, Willard Watson. And Willard, who we've already you know introduced a little bit in Watauga County, Willard is doing similar serious work in his community as well. And just to kind of introduce him here, so you all in the audience know who Willard is, he's a graduate of Appalachian State University in Boone, North Carolina. And I think it's interesting that both uh, Dalton, you and Willard, I think your home county is Columbia, um, you're from Fayetteville, right? So that is uh, Columbia. What county is that? I'm trying to remember. Cumberland Cumberland County. County. That's right. Cumberland uh, County. DeSandra is yeah. also based out this Andrew Washington that was in a previous conversation. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, Willard, thanks for reminding me. I'm going to, I'll have to have a conversation with Meredith about what is it about Colum- uh, Cumberland County that you've got so many fellows coming from there. Well, we, we talk a good talk about place equity, but here we clearly have a pension for Colum- uh, Cumberland County. <laughs> That's right. So, but Willard is a graduate of Appalachian State University in, in Boone, North Carolina, and he's current, he's currently the program and outreach director at the blue at the blowing rock art and uh history museum a wonderful place to visit i've had the chance to go there but we're glad to have you here on the show as well willard and um so thank you for taking the time to join us today but my first question for you would be similar to the question that i that i asked um dalton uh, when we began the conversation with him is can you tell us a little bit about your work there in blowing rock uh yeah so um kind of like the opposite corner of the state from Dalton. He's down in the southeast corner of North Carolina. I'm in the northwest corner of North Carolina. Um, it takes me six hours to get to the beach, but just 30 minutes to get to Tennessee or Virginia. So a little bit little bit different place. But yeah, so I'm here at the Blowing Rock Art and History Museum in Blowing Rock, which is just like 15 minutes outside of Boone in Watauga County. I'm the programs and outreach director here at the museum. And uh, my goal is just to be able to get the community to see themselves in the museum and be part of the museum. And we're the only art and history organization in our county and kind of like the tri-county area. So it's a big responsibility for us to be able to uh, appropriately um, tell the history and share the culture of Western North Carolina and the Southern Appalachian Mountain region. But it's an added layer of responsibility because we're a tourist destination uh, Blowing Rock year round population, just around 10,000 people. But during the summer, they, um, sorry, it's just around 1000 people year round. And then during the summer, it's over 12,000 people residents because all the second homeowners and vacationers. And I mean, people from all over the country and the world come to Blowing Rock and Appalachia is one of those places that's often misrepresented because of people Mm. from outside of the region describing it and, um, you know, telling their own stories about it. So it's, really great that we're an organization here that's uh, prioritizing 
you know, telling the story of the people here in their own voices. And uh, one thing that I've really done to try and get people to see themselves in the museum is to feature community members in exhibitions in the museum um, through exhibitions around work and foodways and outdoor recreation um, and just, you know, ways for people to see themselves, their neighbors, and hear their stories reflected in our exhibition. We're going to take a short break here on the Waters and Harvey Show, but we'll be back in just a moment. Thanks for joining us. Welcome back to the Waters and Harvey Show. Marcus and I are talking with Dr. Dalton Dockery and Willard Watson III, members of the current class of the William C. Friday Fellowship for Human Relations. I'm curious to hear from you, Willard. I mean, it, it's, it's obvious that you have a, a very a very sort of demonstrable commitment um, in Cumberland County uh, to really bringing community together around art, right? Um, around the sharing of story. Uh, can, and could you so so could, with that in mind, could you speak a little bit to what the relationship might be between the work that you're doing there, um, your conception of community in that work, and what attracted you to apply to the Friday Fellowship? Okay, so just a couple things. Mm -hmm. uh, I un I have like a large amount of guilt that I don't do any community work in Cumberland County in my home mm -hmm. county. Um, I actually left Cumberland County for Watauga County uh, in 2008 to attend Appalachian State University and mm -hmm. kind of never looked back. Um, my family's military family, so I didn't really have a strong connection to the town other than being mm -hmm. born there. I moved up to Watauga County and my father's family is from this area and I immediately kind of fell into this rabbit hole of learning about my heritage that I had never had contact with before. But um, when I came up to Boone, I was interested in pursuing an education in sustainable development and looking mm -hmm. at environmental studies. And so I had an engineering background and a hard science background. And I looked at it as like, well, people are the problem. And the only way we can you know, fix the environment is to fix that problem, which is people. And then I got involved in community-based uh, music festivals and other type of nonprofit events here about heritage and history. And I saw that you know, people are actually the solution. And that if we can get people together and united around a common cause, then there's nothing that we can't achieve. And my kind of view of, you know, community and this we that you're talking about is kind of a little more of like a Buddhist standpoint where it's like the singularity or the oneness or non-being that I am you, you are me. There is only we, there is only community. Humans are not solitary creatures. You know, we have to live in community. So we have forward facing eyes so we can look, watch each other's back. Um, so I was attracted to the Friday fellowship because when reading the description about it, I saw all these things that I admired that were interests of mine that I seeing these intersections, right? So how people like Dalton working with an agricultural extension office can also line up with lawyers, with educators, like uh, traditional school teachers or nurses, or even me working at an art and history museum, and just showing how, you know, there's more in common that we have for our goals, and that we're all going to the same goal, right? It's like that quote where at the top of the mountain, we all see the same bright moon, there are many paths to get there. But um, it's that we're all on the same, you know, we're headed towards the same goal on our same track. Well, you know, Willard and Dawson, this this is for both of you to, to, to consider here. Um, we hear uh, people talk a lot about 
unity. They use this word unity a lot. And I, the, to be honest, I'm kind of starting to kind of back off this word, especially when we think about politically. It, recently, we've heard it at the national level a lot that we need unity. We need unity. And sometimes I wonder, is that the wrong word? Is that the right word for us to kind of be focusing on? And do we really know what it is that we mean by unity when we're using this word. I have, and Willard, I think you used this uh, this in your response to Marcus's question just a minute ago. You used, I think I heard you say, uh, finding commonality, our common ground. Should we be trying to work towards that more than trying to, to this, this really rigid word of unity? Should it be that we're trying to find this common ground? Um, in, in, what is your reaction to that, Dalton, or, or of Willard. Well, well, I, I guess I'll start. Um, I think, yeah, we still start working toward um, commonalities to start with, but I think at the end of the day, that should bring us toward unity because my philosophy is, you know, you can't have unity until you at least have justice. Now, I know sometimes we say that in terms of peace too, you know, <laughs> uh, I think that component of justice has to be in there even when you're talking about commonalities. Mm -hmm. um, you have to agree on certain things in order to unify. Mm -hmm. But the bigger question is, what is it that we have to agree on to bring about unity? And you know, is that part of is that going to lead to justice? Okay, right, Dalton. I can't help but think in your response there that we we are having a hard time even right now of agreeing on what the rules are, what rules we even govern <laughs> yeah. the conversations. We're having a difficult time. So this is you know great. That's a, a really good response. You've got my brain kind of really really spinning over here. So yeah. <laughs> sorry I mean, to that, interrupt you. No, I mean that that also, and you know, I'm not even sure that as a country we agree on what justice is. I mean, mm -hmm. so it, it so taking Dalton's point very point very seriously, justice being a necessary precursor to unity. Well, we have to first decide on what justice is. But Dalton, yeah, please yeah. go ahead. <laughs> That's why you need to go to A and T and get a leadership. Willard, what are your thoughts on, on this as well? This whole issue of unity versus looking for common ground and commonality, and and I would be interested as you think about that, and and Dalton, you as well. I mean, you know, how did you experience the the first? Uh, convening of the Friday Fellowship, you know, around these particular issues, uh, around issues of finding commonalities? And uh, was there space in there where you found, oh, well, I can unify with my other colleagues in this. I will find, I will find unity with them as we go through this process. And I hope that question makes sense. Yeah. So uh, just one quick plug back to the leadership uh, PhD Dalton's talking about. After the first Friday fellowship convening, I just felt such a strong connection to everybody in the fellowship. I sent everyone a letter and I sent Dalton a letter. And I was like, you know, Dalton, you're a leader that I would actually want to follow. Right. And now it makes sense. You're a doctor of leadership. Like that, that's why you're able to do it. Um, so 
going back to your question about like unity versus commonality, there was a real epiphany moment for me um, back in 2010. So I was interning at Doc Watson's Music Fest in Sugar Grove. So uh, it was a nonprofit music festival, outside, like 20 minutes outside of Boone, and the proceeds of it went to restore a historic school building and fund a scholarship for sustainable development at ASU. And during this concert, this festival, we had 10,000 people attend over a three-day period. And during, um, you know, all ages, all different backgrounds from, like, you know, people whose families have been in Watauga County since before it was a county that are in their 80s now to college students and, you know, people who live out of their van. Um, and I just saw during Doc Watson's performance, you know, all these people get together and just Captured, captivated by this music. And there was this guy who had to be, you know, he's like over six feet tall, like 300 pounds, big burly dude with a beard and overalls on and no shirt. Right. And he's just crying and screaming, we love you doc. You know? And I just thought it's like, well, if all these people can get together around music, like how come we can't get together for the environment or for social justice? Right. And seeing like, well, at the end of the day, what do we have in common? Like at, at that time, I had in common with this guy, this stranger, this love for music. Right. But mm. everybody, you know, we all care about our families. We all have to feed ourselves and feed our families and provide for ourselves and our families. So how can we make it that sustainability or community um, building or social justice are ways that support people and provide for them? Like all we can do are make people's lives better. Right. That's how we get them on board. That's how we find that that shared um, common ground. And it's just that thing like we have more in common than we do that separates us. And the things that separate us and differentiate us are like the different voices in a choir. Right. There's a, a vision. Um, there's a book by Barry Lopez. It's a long essay. It's called Rediscovering America. And in it, he talks about America and democracy and community being a type of antiphony, a call and response singing. And that, you know, all our voices together make a beautiful choir, right? They make this chorus. And we need all those different voices together to add to that. So, um, yeah, that's my. One thing I would like to add to talk about the commonality. For me, it really forced me to look at self, to look at myself uh, before I could even get to the commonalities part. Mm-hmm. And it challenged me to look at some of my own beliefs and how I actually viewed certain people. Um, that, that's what this first meeting with the Friday uh, Fellowship, Fellowship was for, for me. Right. It forced me to, to look at, you know, who I am, you know, why am I this way? How did I get to where I am? Which goes back to the way I was trained, the way I was brought up, those types of things. And then to really examine, do I want to continue being who I am? Or do I want to transform into something that could be better mm-hmm. that would help me to develop those commonalities with those that I don't even know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, Dalton, that, that that is powerful. And I do want to say, and I know Marcus is going to jump in here too, but Meredith, you know, this kudos goes to Meredith because she really is the designer of this, of how the fellowship is kind of unfolding in mm-hmm. this next two years series that you all are in. And Meredith, I have to say, based on what I'm hearing both from Walt, from Willard and Dalton, 
it is working because we heard similar themes in the conversation with both Desandra and Clint. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's interesting. This this uh, model that you have uh, have created here is clearly working. Yeah, indeed. And, and, and just listening to, to Willard and Dalton's uh, reflections, it really does sound that a heck of a lot um, has come out of this this first convening that has been quite fruitful. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it makes me think, and this is this question is, is both is for both of you, Dalton and Willard. Um, thinking about future convenings, right? The second convening, um, moving forward beyond that, uh, what do you hope to gain? Uh, what else do you hope to learn? Um, what, what, what other perhaps um, transformations, if I can use that, that term, uh, do you hope to experience um, or undergo uh, in, in future convenings of the Friday Fellows? Um, I, I'd like it to be a lot of kind of this, we make the road by walking type thing. Um, and just, I re- I'm, I'm excited for it because I feel like it's this process of like group self-actualization. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, the first convening left me so like emotionally raw and it was just so introspective and deep and um, beautiful and exhausting that, I mean, mm-hmm. our first question was, who am I, right? Who do I want to be in this group? And that these questions that are for each convening just really force us to dive super duper deep and the type of nuance that it's so easy to glaze over with our responsibilities and our meetings and our like obligations we set for ourselves, but to actually like do like Dalton says, sit, look deep, who am I, who do I want to be, who can I be? For, for me, you know, it's the continuation of the question, you know, the first question is who am I? The way I look at it, my second question is, what can I or what will I become from this? Mm-hmm. What will be the end product mm-hmm. as we go through this training? And then I would love to be able to look back when we finish the training and to see the growth of where I was when I first started and the things I believed, the things I did, and to, and to look at the transformation over the two years as to where I am now. And then two years after I'm out of this, particular training what will i be like at that particular point mm-hmm. and as we go out to i guess you say transform the world is that right, right. <laughs> so so meredith, yeah yeah meredith i mean meredith you're still here you know you you've been silent on us here for a few minutes but i'd like to bring you in here to 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 get your perspective on what you're hearing, I mean, I I really believe that uh, the model that you put together is clearly, you know, doing the work that you hoped it would do. Am I being a little bit too forward thinking in that? Am I missing the point here? What is your assessment? <laughs> I think that, you know, uh, it's early days in a two-year process. And I think, you know, one of the things that matters deeply to the design is that it's not mine, right? It's it's ours. And I think deeply about what it means to share in leadership and to share accountability for spaces that we cannot hold on our own. And so from the get-go, the invitation has been, fellows, join me in this work. Show up and lead in ways that you need to be led. And let's let the wisdom in the room really guide the process as well. Of course, I could not do this work without my sister colleague, Dr. Georgette Legister, who powerfully spoke into the design and um, who, who, and the relationship that I have with Jojo is part of, in my mind, what makes the design um, both sort of active and ongoing and, and a model for what I hope the fellowship itself will yield. And so in many ways, it is an unfolding uh, over a two-year process and where we're really seeding what I like to think of as habits of formation that get at 
things that might come up for folks or groups or collectivities years down the road. But my goal, and I'm hearing reflected back, is to invite fellows into a place of stillness and enough quiet where they can remember things, they can reckon, they can reflect, and to bring into the room things that can then help everyone move forward. And so it does take a lot of intention. It takes a lot of uh, honoring of, of, um, of space and of silence to make sure that there's enough breath in any given moment for, um, for, for fellows at, from all walks of life um, to, to, to find their way to what they need to become um, the, the leaders in their lives and in their communities. And I think that's just another part of this design. It is not a one-size-fits-all model. Uh, we will have 23 fellows um, on, this, on these calls, and they will have 23 different experiences of what these invitations are opening up for them. And that is both by design and something that um, is, is impactful to hear reflected back because there is not a creed. The Friday Fellowship does not have a creed that we're looking for people to sign on to. Um, it's, it's different from um, a religion in that way, looking at my religious studies colleague um, in the frame, right? Um, but we are ritualizing to a certain extent what it means to be in relationship, right? Like how can we make manifest and make visible and legible, like what are the muscles that we're exercising to remember enough of ourselves to make sure that we can find a we whether it's in the room or in the county or in the state or in the world. Um, and so ritual does play um, a, a big part in what we do in the fellowship spaces because I think um, it helps hold us. It does help um, call a group together um, from things as simple as a calling in or a gathering in ceremony to the way that we structure convenings um, in a, so that fellows can really um, share actively at all times in the unfolding of their own learning and unlearning. Um, these are pieces that I'm really excited to keep exploring as we move um, into the next seminar. Again, just naming that we'll be tackling why am I here? Although Dalton, your question around um, where will I be, where who, how am I going to be better down the road? That's a relevant one too. But I'm excited. We have some deep questions that we're asking, and and I'll say it is work. And fellows are showing up um, to do this work. There is not a mandate. You know, it's a hard season to ask people to do the work of reflection and reckoning in the service of relationship. And um, there's no, you know, there's not a lot of carrots to dangle in this process other than the promise of relationship and what it might look like to actually lead and to build a society around the core practices of relationship. And it's energizing to hear the, both of these fellows um, just speak um, beautifully to how this work is unfolding in their communities and to hear them also just name, you can hear, I'm sure everyone on the call uh, can hear the strength and the wisdom they bring and they brought to the table before they were seated in the fellowship. And we count on that in the Friday fellowship, that each fellow brings their own wisdom to the table and speaks their truths into the room so that we can all listen and learn together. Mm -hmm. Well, we're going to be having further conversations with other members of the Friday fellowship class, and uh, we look forward to that. But I think that really, uh, both to you, uh, Willard, and to Dalton, we're, it would be nice to have you back again at some point. Just maybe we, you know, Marcus and I can find space to have um, individual conversations with you because I would love to hear more about the work that you're doing uh, in your professional your professional work in both uh, in your county over there in Columbus County, uh, Dalton and Willard, you up in Watauga County, and now you know bringing Marcus into these conversations, Meredith. If I have to say, I've got to take one dig at my brother here that. Um, 
that bring yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that bringing him into this conversation around the uh, Friday Fellowship and hearing these intense questions that he is formulating and asking, I'm mighty afraid he's going to send me an invoice for this. It's a possibility, brother. So, you know, Dalton and Will, we want to thank you for joining us on the show. Uh, the time goes much too quickly, um, but th- I think that this has been a deep conversation, and I, I have to tell the both of you, and Marcus would probably agree, Meredith was here for the last conversation with Desandra and Clint. They raised some really hard-hitting questions as well, um, and I, at some point, Meredith, we're going to have to have a follow-up on these questions that these fellows have actually you know, thrown out because I can't help but remember Clint raising the issue about are we too attached to heritage, mm-hmm, that's our heritages, mm-hmm. and as a legacy and, and making it difficult for us to move on. So, mm-hmm. I mean, we would ask the audience, I think, Marcus, we could ask the audience to be thinking about that. Are we too Certainly. attached to heritages? Mm-hmm. And does it make it difficult for us to move on? And I would also like for to ask the audience, Marcus, and I'll turn it over to you because you may have your own questions, mm-hmm. to be thinking about this whole issue of unity versus uh, uh, finding common ground. You know, we've mm-hmm. had a rich discussion around that. You know, how do you, how do you all in the audience think? Do you think about that? Meredith has also raised these two issues, and I think she's she's are these two concepts that she has raised before about learning and unlearning. So, mm-hmm. what things do we need to learn, and what things individually out there, you all in the audience listening, do you think we yeah. need to begin to unlearn? Marcus? Yeah, and and I would just add that I, I you know the the question and comment that or reflection that I would offer to our audiences uh, that to to think about what is unity, right? I mean, we hear this term bandied about a lot, but, but I don't know that that we all really understand what we actually mean when we, when when we, when we talk about unity. So what is unity? And then the comment would be, and and this is really building off of a, of a point that that Dalton made. um, I don't think at this point that we can, that we can, that we can continue to ask the we question without attending to the subjective question of who am I? Yeah, right. Yes, so, yes. so, so I think that this this broader collective we has to be um, uh, preceded by serious work on the who am I question, mm-hmm. why am I here, uh, um, and do I want to continue being this person? I, th- I think I think that this has to precede the we work. Okay. Well, again, Meredith. Dalton and Willard, we want to thank you for being here. We know we'll be hearing from you again. Meredith, we'll be hearing from you again really soon. So Marcus and I really appreciate you joining us today on the show. We appreciate you all in the audience joining us as well. And as we kind of go out here, we want to remind you again that the Waters and Harvey Show is produced at Blue Ridge Public Radio in Asheville, North Carolina. And you can listen to our podcast on BPR.org, the BPR and NPR mobile apps, and on Apple Podcasts and Google Play. And then you can follow us and get in touch on Facebook and Twitter. And like we said, again, you can watch the show on YouTube. So thank you for joining us. Marcus and I look forward to seeing you all again or talking to you at least again next time. Take care. Take care.